Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nikki Singh. I am the Staff Services Manager, too, uh, within a Division of Rehabilitative Programs, the Special Programs and Contracts Unit. I oversee um, very specialized programs, such as the grant programs, which is the topic of discussion today. Uh, good morning, my name is Kevin Hoffman. I'm the Deputy Director over Program Operations for the Division of Rehabilitative Programs. Um, I manage both in-prison and community rehabilitative programs, and the grants are part of the programs that I uh, manage um, from a distance because I got good staff that take care of it for me. I can start because I was here when it was implemented. It was implemented in 2015 and there was $2.5 million provided to CDCR in the budget. And the goal was to increase volunteerism. Uh, there were some institutions that had a lot of volunteers like San Quentin, but there were others that didn't have much volunteerism like out in the desert. So this money was given to uh, grants that were already existing in our institutions to expand their programs to uh, areas where there was less programming. The original money was supposed to be one-time money, but we have been given ongoing funding and the budget has uh, increased. We've expanded a lot um, and have a lot of programs in the institutions and they all do different things. The CARE grants uh, focus more on restorative justice. Mm -hmm. Victim impact grants focus a little bit more on victim awareness and empathy. Um, and then we have the innovative programming grants, which are the um, like the title says, innovative. Those are our dog programs, our equine programs, uh, garden programs, mm -hmm. yoga programs uh, that are very innovative in nature. And it's something that um, we don't do in-house, that staff or CDCR staff doesn't run. It's, it's a community-based organization. The newest category, that would be right. the right, the right yeah. grants. Yeah, so it's for capacity building for those organizations uh, to be able to do a better job of providing these services in the institution. So some of the money won't even be used to provide services. It'll be used for training, hiring staff, buying computers, uh, for capacity building so that they're able to provide those services in the institutions. We have about 135 programs statewide. Um, for this right grant specifically that we're just talking about, we funded approximately 70 organizations just with the right grant program. Uh, within the other three, there's, um, like I said, 135 uh, programs statewide total. It's a request for application. We put out an RFA, which actually we will be putting one out here soon because the victim impact grants will be uh, closing at the end of 2024. So we will be going out to bid pretty here soon. So. And then the responses are scored. We have a, a scoring tool, uh, and then the top scores will receive the grants. There's a lot of work that has to be done. Um, it keeps our Office of Business Services very busy, and uh, this team, is, they're very busy during those times. The request for application process can take from anywhere from eight months to a year. And within that time, like Kevin said, there are so many um, uh, areas involved, the Office of Business Services, um, Office of Victims, Rights and Survivorship, um, Community Partnerships Unit, Division of Adult Institutions. I mean, we get, um, you know, vying from our community resource managers, from our mm -hmm. wardens. Um, there's a lot of 
there's different staff within CDCR that assist with getting these grant programs up to speed. But the initial process uh, to apply for a grant, um, that's actually, um, that's posted on our website, on our DRP website, as well as, I'm not sure if everyone's heard of the, the state grants portal. And it's a grant portal for statewide for California, and it lists all grants that are available to the to everyone, not just within CDCR, all grants, all departments. Um, we also post on social media, um, Facebook and mm -hmm. Instagram, I think, as well. Um, so there's several ways. We also send out an email to all of our current providers. Uh, we have a distribution list for other community providers that are not programming with the state but like to get information. Um, so there's several ways that we put that information out there for community um, organizations to apply. Um, and within the RFA, the request for application, the, it lists out all the criteria there, what, what specifically we're looking for, um, you know, how to apply, when to apply, all the dates. We, we understand that for some of the new providers or new uh, community organizations, it could be a bit overwhelming. So we actually do, um, once the application is out, approximately 30 days later, we do a Q&A where it gives the organization an opportunity to ask questions. Hey, what do I, ex what should I expect coming in? Um, you know, I have a staff of 10. What else do I need? Um, um, how much money can I expect to get? Or how, how do I, how do I break down what I'm, you know, uh, my budget? Just every single question we try and go through all the questions and answer everyone's questions because we're, we really want the community organizations to to get into the institutions and program, and we know that it could be uh, a bit overwhelming in the beginning, so we really want to support uh, them within the process. And like Nikki said, the request for application is broken down by sections mm -hmm. and gives uh, just, uh, instructions on how they respond to the application. So they're given a lot of information on how they should respond. And then once we get the responses back, we, we usually, well, no, we always get outside people to be on the scoring team uh, to ensure fairness. So we get people from DAI, Division of Adult Institutions, and other, other divisions. And for the participant, they're not mandatory programs. They're voluntary programs. So there's something so specialized about these programs that we actually have a lot of participants who want to participate in these programs. Imagine... Ten years ago when you walked on a yard, you'd never see a dog, but you walk on a yard now and there's dogs everywhere. It almost humanizes what's going on to a certain degree. It normalizes life. So um, I'm, I'm really fond of those programs, but all these programs, the goal is to make changes in the participants' lives. Mm -hmm. And I've seen many of these programs, people come out of them and their lives are changed. They, they change the way they think. They change the way they approach people. Um, so that is the ultimate goal, is to uh, change people for the better. And as they go out into society, hoping those changes stick and they don't recidivate and they learn how to uh, adjust into community life. But um, yeah, I've seen some good results. There's some really good programs out there and um, yeah. I've seen some program participants who have, um, upon release, they've started volunteering within the community. Um, some of the programs we have, they're mentorship programs, so they've learned how to mentorship. Um, so they, they go on to the community to be, and become mentors. 
um, some of them actually become employed mm -hmm. by some of these community-based organizations. Yeah. They start to they work for them, so it's employment once they're upon release. Um, and then I've seen some that actually even start their own mm -hmm. yeah. their own organizations because they want to give back. They want to give back to um, some of the incarcerated individuals who are not participating in these programs that are not reaping the benefits of them. So um, I, I've seen. I've seen, there's many success stories. If you just go and look on our website, you can see the many different varied programs, and you can look them up on the internet and see what they provide. But um, it's a very diverse um, um, program. There's it's a diverse programs uh, all over the state. I think we actually have a pod podcast program too, right? There's oh yeah, we do. Like, yeah. There's a radio program. Um, there's a garden program. Yeah. Mentions some of those acting programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, acting program. I think some of them may have a waiting list, um, or it's a first come first basis. Um, but I know a lot of them. They can. There's a sign up sheet. They can uh, work through the community resource manager. I think some of the specialized, especially the dog and puppy programs, I think there might be an application process to make sure that the person has the right demeanor to handle, um, you know, animals. Um, and I think the equine program also has the same uh, requirements. Uh, we really partnered with Division of Adult Institutions so we can make sure that these programs are successful because that's what we want. We want them to be successful. So. In, in doing that, we put out a participant survey. One of them was a participant who talked about um, CDCR staff within, with the program. So, I mean, they loved the program itself. They talked about the program, the program providers, how they, you know, they love coming to this program twice a week, um, how they look forward to it, and they advocate for the program outside when they're not programming. But one of the things that really stuck to me was they talked about CDCR staff supporting the program. Um, and those are what we call, and I don't think we touched on this before, uh, yet, is staff sponsors. So some mm -hmm. of these programs require a staff sponsor, and that's someone at the institution, um, so it's CDCR staff, who support the program. And they'll do, um, they're not necessarily participating or giving uh, the program but or providing the program but they are working closely with the program provider they're working closely with um, DRP they're making sure that the program the organization has all the tools and equipment and everything necessary um, that they're available to you know uh, they're available to support the program at the time of programming and outside of programming in order for it to be successful for instance the equine program was actually created by a correctional officer West Hills College, and um, I think Harris Ranch was involved too. So mm -hmm. it was uh, outside, uh, like a college, and, and the CO, I came to find out later, she was the one that responded to the, uh, to the request for application, and she wrote an incredible grant. Um, and the program has been very successful, so she's doing this outside of her work hours. She comes there on her days off, and you know, so, um, yeah, there's especially, uh, I know that the uh, puppy dog program was kept alive, I think at CCWF, by a correctional staff, and um, people get involved and they see the, uh, the results of these programs and um, it changes the environment for everyone, not only the participants, but for the staff that are working there. So they're, they're quite varied. We love the grants because 
It provides more opportunity for individuals to program. It changes people. It's good for both uh, the participants and individuals working inside because it keeps the population occupied, gives them something to do, and changes the way they, they do things in their life. There's always opportunity for new programs, new incentives, new ideas um, that come out from, the from these communities, from these nonprofit organizations. I've had the opportunity to sit in on some of the grant programs um, that are offered through uh, Division of Rehabilitative Programs. Um, I've read a lot of different uh, scopes of works, a lot of different proposals. So we encourage these programs, we encourage nonprofit organizations, community-based organizations to bring in their programs to the institutions. We encourage volunteers um, to come into the institutions um, and provide their, their, special, their specialty. They are the subject matter experts of their work and their innovative ideas and their programming styles, we've seen that it's been a success. These participants who are participating in these programs, they're gonna parole and they're gonna be a part of the, the community and part of you know, some of the communities that, um, that actually have helped with their rehabilitative process. So it's actually kind of like a full circle um, experience where you have the community and volunteers coming in to assist the participant in their journey and I think it's great for the staff to recognize how it just takes a, a little bit to make a difference. It's the impact on the participants, the impact on the staff, the impact for the volunteers and for the community. It's a full circle experience.